from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As you well know, our show is hosted on the Anchor app, but we're also on all the major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just to name a few. And if you are looking for the video format of the show, you can find us on the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. And that's all I have for the intro as usual. What's going on, Drink? How we doing? Hey, you know, you know, same old, same old. Another good old Wednesday hump day. So glad to be in here with my uh, brother from another mother. But as, as always... We see what they don't, say what they want, and you know what time it is. Let's talk some sports, baby. Episode 52, it's an all-NBA package for you as the Pacers win big. Uh, We present our NBA awards, and we take a brief look at the NBA teams that did not make the playoffs or the play-in. We begin with the Boston Celtics securing the number seven seed in the Eastern Conference last night with a 118-100 win. Jason Tatum was a star, dropping 50 points. 23 of them came in the third quarter. Kemba Walker added 29 as the Celtics outscored the Wizards 66-46 to in the second half after they trailed by a deuce at halftime. Bradley Beal scored 22 points as he continues to deal with a hamstring issue, and Russell Westbrook added 20 points and 14 rebounds. But the duo combined to shoot just 16 for 43 from the floor, and the Wizards as a team were just 3 for 21 from behind the arc. Boston will battle the Brooklyn Nets in the first round while the Wizards will face a winner go home game tomorrow night against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Drink, did this win do anything for the job security of one Brad Stevens? No, it didn't. I, I think <clears throat> as far as the play-in tournament goes, it it was like a lose-lose kind of for Brad Stevens because, all right, so they won. They locked in. I think they locked in the seven seed now. Um, that's cool. But I don't think it changed the dynamic of what could happen with Brad Stevens because the play-in tournament, as they keep reminding us, is not a playoff game. So since it's not a playoff game, I mean, and not a regular season game, it's like a little bonus game, I don't think it does much for them. Now, with that said, all right, boom, you locked into the seventh seed, which means you're going to have that first-round matchup with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, they go in here and, and Jason Tatum, you know, drop him another 50 piece. And, and you know, Kimball Walker give him 30. And they go in here and let's say they lose the series to the Nets in six games. I think that would do something as far as the security of Brad Stevens' job. Matter of fact, I think that's enough to bring him back in my opinion. Because what, what are you asking? Like, 
he already lost Jalen Brown. So I think the fact that he lost Jalen Brown kind of built in a reason to bring him back. But if he can get a couple of wins against what we what most perceived as the favorite in the Eastern Conference, you got to respect that. And so with that said, I, you know, I, I think he, his job would be good for at least another season, you know, if he gets into this, you know, wins a couple of games against the Nets. But as far as the play-in game go, nah, you ain't get no credit for beating the, the Wizards. Nah. It's the Wizards. You're supposed to beat the Wizards. That's exactly how people look at it. You're the Boston Celtics. you Brad Stevens. You got Jason Tatum. You know? Um, and listen, I, I like the Wizards to win that eighth spot and get into the playoffs. But at the end of the day, there's no excuse. The, the Celtics are supposed to beat them. So I, to answer that question, no. But I, w- I would give... The Celtics discredit. Um, they came out. You needed a 50-piece for Tatum to win this game, evidently. You got it. You won the game. Uh, Kemba Walker, I, you know, I don't think he played bad. Um, but you just think about it. Marcus Smart, I, I think he hurt his um, his ankle. I think it was an ankle or his knee early in the game or whatnot. And, you know, I, I thought he wasn't going to play, but he ended up playing 35 minutes. But... I had to ask myself, was it 35 good minutes? I mean, his his plus minus was plus 23, so maybe it was. But when I look at his stats, I disagree with his plus minus. But that's for guys like yourself with the big brains and the number crunching and this, that, and the third. Um, you know, they got good minutes out of Tristan Thompson. But let me, let me just tell you right now. Listen, I had a lot of good things to say about this Evan Fournay um, trade from Orlando. He ain't he ain't gave me the goods yet. I mean, I, every every week I get on here and try to give some love to a player, and then this is what I get every single time, every single time. Hey man, he won't be that bad. I mean, he was playing for Orlando. Maybe it was Orlando that was messing him up, not him. And what did you say? Hey, I'm not sold on this guy. What has he done? And then he get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> he get a chance to go do something, and he scored eight points in a play-in game in 36 minutes. His plus-minus was good, too, though, so that's good. <laughs> that, that's why I say, man, this plus-minus thing is just like, he was plus 20. But, yeah, eight. So, with that said, you know, you need more from Smart. You need more from Fournier. Uh, Tristan Thompson. I, I tell you like this, 12 points in 30 minutes, I'm not wild by that, but he did have the 12 rebounds. But what I did like was they was kind of aggressive with Thompson. Like, they was running – it seemed to be like they was running some offense through him in the first half of the game, which is something you don't see with Tristan Thompson a lot. Like, I don't remember them in those Cleveland days they was running offense through him. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. But – to me, that's the microcosm of this story. That's the small part. The big part of this game, <laughs> you know, is the, the Wizards. What, what are we doing here? I, Bradley Bill, Westbrook, are y'all done for the season? Is it a wrap? Wrap them up? Because I feel like y'all got a chance to actually get some respect on your name as a team. And the, the, and the opportunity is just not getting seized here. It's just not getting seized. I don't. I thought this would be a time where we would see the Wizards that we seen at the end of the season, but you're looking more like the Wizards we seen at the beginning of the season. 
I don't, I don't know, but I, I was not impressed with this Wizard team. And you you heard what I said on Saturday show. I felt like the Celtics had the chance to be the seven. The Wizards got a chance to be the eight. That's still a possibility once the Wizards play the Pacers. But it's like I don't know. I just seen the Pacers. We we got them in the next segment. I, I don't know. So it's you know I I was very I was disappointed with the Wizards' performance. I'm not even gonna like. Because you had to think a Wizards team with Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, and et cetera could beat a Celtics team with Jason Tatum, Kimball Walker, no Jalen Brown, and you got Marcus Smart scoring seven points and Fournier scoring eight. I Listen, I know Tatum scored 50, but God dog it, it's just one of them things where you say, let him let him go off and make the rest of the team beat you. One of those things, and that that's just not gonna cut it. I'm sorry, that's not gonna cut it, um, Wizards. So let's see if you go out here playing like this against the Pacers. See you later, Westbrook. That 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 record you broke this year might be the high point. That might be that might be the high point, buddy. That, that's not it. Um, so with all that said, man, to, to get back to your original question. I do not think this win did the win in the play-in tournament did anything for his job security. However, with him getting locked into the seventh seed, they play the Nets. I do think a win or two in that series could do wonders for his job security. He'll come back for another year. That's how I looked at that. I, I disagree. I disagree, but it's just okay. just semantically okay. because think about it this way: if he didn't mm-hmm. win this game, we would come in here well. Maybe not me, but I think you would come in and he's like, oh, Brad Stevens in deep trouble right now because if he fall out the play-in and lose to Pacers or who or Charlotte tomorrow night and they make don't make the playoffs at all, I think that would be a big deal. So I think by not just, doing that. But do you think the Jalen Brown, like I feel like when Jalen Brown went down for the, the end of the season, in my head, I'm like, Brad Stevens probably going to hang on because of that. Yeah, I, Yes, but I think... I don't think Jalen Brown or no Jalen Brown. I don't think I couldn't excuse. I couldn't. I don't think. I don't think it'd be excusable to drop out of the playoffs completely, from the seven to not even making it. I'm not saying he'd get fired. I just think that would just be another, you know, another. But they would. But they would have got another game. Is my point? Because they would have lost. They say they right. would have lost last night. Then they would have just played the Pacers and then they would have beat the Pacers. Yes. That's why that's why I felt like this particular game didn't matter because he still would have got another chance. What are they going to say? Oh, we was going to fire you against the Wizards, but we're going to keep you against the Pacers. Yeah, what, like, what I mean was if he lost both games, if he lost this okay. game and the oh. next game, that's what I mean. Okay, okay, okay. But, so, but, I mean, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that huge a deal because – even though Washington, out of these four Eastern Conference play play uh, play in teams, Washington had been playing the best basketball out of all four. And we know Charlotte's been slumping recently. Indiana, they've had their troubles. They've been you know rocked by injuries. Seemingly, that's just an every season occurrence for them. Right. And uh, and we know Boston, like Boston, been up and down all year. It, it it appeared at one point they were getting their act together, and then next thing you know, it's another losing streak. And they they had a really bad close to the year and that J- that Jalen Brown injury I mean that their season was effectively over even though they're they're going to be the seventh seed but I mean I know and we'll cover this more Saturday most likely but I mean 
I don't I don't give them much of a shot at all against Brooklyn. A, a six game series against Brooklyn means Tatum probably drops fifty twice, and I don't even I don't even know if a fifty point game will get him a win because you look at Boston right now. And I know we're kind of, I'm kind of glossing over what happened in this game, but mm-hmm. I mean, you just look at, look at, and I've said this before, their depth is just unimpressive. I mean, Robert Williams goes down last night with the, I think they say he has turf toe, he's day to day, but if, if he doesn't play, they're down to five people that you can put on the floor and say, yeah, yeah, we'll go with them. And that's including Fournier, who we don't, I don't trust at all. And, Hey, I'm a, hey, I'm a, I'm old for you. I'm gonna hit say this one right now. But think about, but think about it. You got Tatum and, and Kemba, Marcus Smart, Tristan Thompson, and Fournier, and then just look at the rest of this garbage. What, what even is this? I thought Peyton Pritchard had a nice rookie season, and he came and get on the floor. Grant Williams is another guy I would like give a shot, but he didn't even play. I'm left with the likes of Romeo Lankford and Aaron Nesmith. What is this? Like, and and this and this goes back to the point that I think I made and you and you remember I think you'll remember very clearly when I kind of like changed my tune on Boston and it was the trade deadline because it just made no sense to me what they did and you get Fournier now that that's fine like he should be able to help you out but on the other hand you traded Daniel Tice and now we see they're just I mean that's rock their depth and obviously I got a lot of respect for Robert Williams I think he's going to be a heck of an NBA player but I mean, now you're he left. Ain't no not, Daniel Tice though. Not, not Daniel Tice, and you just kind of need both of those guys. They've been, you know, struggling on defense all year. That was kind of your defensive anchor. So now they're, they, I mean, they're in a world of trouble. It's a, I think it, there's a, a sense of relief in that organization that they didn't, they got the, they got to the play in, and they didn't get embarrassed and get just kicked out the playoffs because that would have just been a, a sight to see. Uh, a little bit just a little disappointing in Washington because again I thought they were playing the best ball and they had probably the most momentum and the correction from last show I thought they could only get as high as a ninth seed they got to the AC courtesy of some help from courtesy of beating Charlotte and Indiana helping them out so they only had to win one game but now they're back in the win or go home scenario and I mean Bradley Beal's health you know obviously a problem but I mean I mean, time and time again, and obviously this isn't officially a playoff game, but I mean, Russell, you just expect a little bit more from Russell Westbrook. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. You know, you had somebody on the pregame, the pre, I guess we'll call it the pregame show, and right. uh, somebody wanting to put all the blame on Russell Westbrook. Right. I wouldn't put it all right. on him because Bradley Beal is the second leading scorer in the NBA, and he didn't live up to that last night. Um, but I mean, both of, both of their you know best players were not good enough. I mean, by just simply by name, that's one of the best backcourts in the league. But we know Washington, they score a lot of points. They don't defend very well. That showed last night. They had a lot of trouble with Jason Tatum and Kim Walker, who had really good games. Um, but I think, I mean, they weren't the only one. I mean, this guy, Davis Bertans, who we were talking about at one point last year, he comes in off the bench and doesn't do anything. A hot one for eight and 0 for seven from three. So not much of a contribution there. I was, you know, it was it was kind of an odd game too because Boston got off to a pretty good start. They were in control. The second quarter, Washington kind of really got its footing, and they they looked like Boston looked like they were going to be in trouble like late in the second quarter before they finally settled down. And I thought I don't know if you saw this, but I thought the most impressive player for Washington was Ish Smith. 
Ishmith yes, came in the yes, game. Yes, he, he came, came in, in the game the- and he was like, you know, kind of a, a Russell Westbrook light. You know, he was he was playing with incredible pace, you know, getting out on a fast break, um, just breaking down whoever was guarding him. And uh, he was he was highly impressive in the first half. They weren't able to uh, continue in the second half, but it, it's it is it's disappointing the way you know they played, and you know with the with the amount of momentum they had. Uh, not only you talk about Brad Stevens, you got to wonder about Scott Brooks. You know how much longer you know can yeah. is Washington gonna deal with? Washington's been seemingly just not good for several years now. A lot of that was due to the John Wall injury, but. I mean, it's, it's just hard to believe that you could have these two guys who are so talented and yet you, they're, they're in danger of not, of not being in the field in the Eastern Conference field at all, depending on what happens tomorrow night. Uh, and I just want to say this to your Scott Brooks point, which is incredible. Hey, I know I give a lot of grief to Brad Stevens, but at this point, I'll take Brad Stevens over Scott Brooks. Because listen, I ain't seen much success without KD. Oh, uh, Westbrook. I mean, he got Westbrook again. So I ain't seen much success without KD. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm starting to wonder about that fool's gold and Scott Brooks out here sprinkling out here. Just throw that out there. All right. Now to the 9 versus 10 matchup where the Indiana Pacers destroyed the Charlotte Hornets 144 to 117. Eight Pacers scored in double figures, including DeBontis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon as the Pacers led by 24 at the end of the first half and by as many as 39 in the fourth quarter. Miles Bridges led Charlotte with 23 points, but there were few other bright spots as Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball at disappointing nights. Indiana moves on to play Washington tomorrow night, as we said, and Charlotte's season is over. Drink, do you believe this dud of a game put a damper on some of that play-in tournament hype? No, I don't. Um, listen, we, we have to understand this is the play-in tournament. And it's the seven seed through ten seed. These ain't the top four teams. You know what I'm saying? The best of the best, the cream of the crop. You know what I'm saying? This is a reason why the play-in term is not considered part of the playoff, because they want to take the two of the, I guess, two of the best of the rest. I guess you can say they want to take the two best of those teams and then put them in the playoff format to play the better teams, and then let's see what we got. So with that said, we could feel that one of these teams won't show up because it's a reason why they're in this scenario from the beginning. Last night it was the Hornets. Now, I'm, and I'm going to tell you like this. The, another reason it didn't put a damper on it for me, who the hell seen the Pacers scoring 144 points? Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, really? Like, 104? Yo, you had to be like... This game is a blowout, but the Pacers scored 104. Who the hell gave them enough firepower to score 144 points? Then you go and look, you break it down, you see it was a complete team effort for the most part. So, yeah, it's, not no, like, man. it's not like Boston got one guy scoring 50, and that's where it came from, man. It's right. Eight, you know eight what I'm dudes saying? in double figures. Listen, if I mean, the Hornets just, they wasn't up the par. That's all it is to it. They, they you know, they were missing Gordon Hayward. They, they wasn't up the part. And for my money, I, I felt like I don't know if Gordon Hayward was like the glue, but I, what I was looking at last night with the Hornets, I, I thought I'd seen, you know, some uncohesiveness between Rozier and Ball. 
They didn't look really like they was enjoy playing with each other. You know, Bridges usually get put on a show. He was playing, but it was like, I mean, last night, the best player I, I thought I seen last night for the Hornets was Zella. I'm just going to be real. <laughs> Zella looked, he, he looked like the guy last night. Every time he touched the ball, I found myself saying, just let Zella do something with the ball. Like, he the only one that looks like he's, like, aggressively trying to get something done. He's setting his picks. He's rolling to the goal. He's making plays on defense. Get him. Let him do them. Like, whatever. You know, and I was, like, frustrated because I'm like, for, for you to get in this game, get a chance to, like, I'm not saying you was going to do anything once you got in the playoffs because I don't believe in you that much. But you did have the national platform to get people excited about you. And when I say people, your Charlotte fan base, to get them rally behind you or get more fans rally behind you. This ain't it. Like, when people see this, they're going to be like, oh, that was just the Hornets. We, we knew that. that and, but this is not a true um, example of how they've been playing this year. I mean, you hear the announcers. They were talking about Gordon Hayward and his impact. And like I told you before the show, I guess Gordon Hayward's impact was a lot more than I gave him respect for. Because this team looked like a team that shouldn't even have been in the play-in tournament, let's know in the playoffs. Like, they shouldn't even been in the play-in tournament. They should have been back there with the Orlando Magic or something. But, listen, it, it happens. It happens. We're going to see this in the playoffs. That's why I can't be like, oh, man, that game was trash. Get rid of the tournament. Because when, when it happens in the playoffs, we're not going to say, oh, man, get rid of the playoffs. We're just going to be like, listen, they didn't show up. They got smoked. That is what it is. So, no, nah, man, I, I would say it didn't put a damp on it. If anything, it gave me something to be quite surprised about when I seen the Pacers put up 144. Now, my question is, will, will the Pacers be able to replicate that against the Wizards tomorrow night? That's what I want to know. Y'all going to come out, if, boy, I tell you what, if the Pacers come out here and score like 130 tomorrow night, win or lose, I'm, I feel like the Pacers been playing possum all year. They've been playing possum. Because there's no way you start putting all these points up at the end of the season and you couldn't find a way to get it done in the mid part of the season. I give you the beginning of the season. Everybody got to get get adjusted. But by all-star break, we got to have it figured out what we're going to do. Now, now you want to wait until the play-in tournament start dropping buckets. I mean, you know, that kind of you know, surprised me more than anything. So to answer the question, it did not put a damp on, on my tournament hype. I still like the play in tournament and I want to see more. Uh yeah, I'm I don't think I don't think this game by itself definitely not for me. It didn't put a damper on. You know I'm not that excited about it uh mm. to begin with. But I do think, you know, if you're just a, a general run of the mill NBA fan, this type of game has to you have to look at it and kind of say, is this is this really like, is this anything more than like a gimmick? You know, because, and it's it's kind of, it was kind of like, should have. I think it was something I should have seen coming when Charlotte gets off to just, they just, it's pretty evident early on that they just getting killed. I mean, I've never seen Doug McDermott play that well since his days at Creighton. You know, I don't know what the, the, the Dougie McBuckets and all that. He ain't McBucket. been Dougie. He ain't been that since his Creighton days. Like, stop right. playing. And um, 
But I mean, he, Doug McDermott's doing his thing. He's doing whatever he wants. Uh, you got O'Shea Brissett, who I didn't even know was a factor in anything. I ain't seen him since he played ball at Syracuse. Really good player. Um, led, the, led the team to scoring last night. Um, but I mean, you know, once Charlotte got down, it it's pretty easy for me to like look at this and say, if I'm a Charlotte Hornet, I'm getting my, you know, I'm getting my rear end beat. That, you know, guys, you know, we we can make a little comeback here, I suppose, and uh, you know, go on to the eight nine game, and maybe we win that one, and and then we oh we gotta play Philly. You know what? Maybe we should just you know, is it really <laughs> worth it all that? You know. I really believe like at halftime, I don't because I, I didn't see anything different when they came back out the locker room. So I don't know if James Borrego even like, I don't know if there's anything he could have said like, hey guys, I know like we're down by like a uh, 24, but uh, we, we can do this, you know. Well, you see, you did see the unreleased auto of when they was in the locker room at halftime, right? The unreleased no. audio tape. I mean, it was a tape going around. I heard one, two, three, Cancun. I don't know what what was where, where they get that from. Who was saying it? But that's what I heard. I don't know. You know, all the travel sites were uh, blowing up on after at halftime in uh, in Indiana from the Charlotte locker room. <laughs> it man, that was God. That was so bad. I have. I, I'd be interested to see if you agree with agree with me on this. I have never seen so many easy baskets take place off of inbounds plays. It seemed like there were at least, you know, at least five different occasions where the Pacers had the ball underneath the Hornets basket and it's just a dude in the paint wide open for a layup right. or a dunk. I never I've never seen that an NBA team play out of bounds defense so poorly. And it was just over and over and over. I'm telling you, and another thing. Speaking of backup point guards, we gave props to Ishmith. Give some props to TJ McConnell too. This guy is the most unassuming NBA player. I I don't I don't think there's a more unassuming NBA player, and yet he is just doing whatever he felt like last night. Right. And God, I mean, it's and then you look at you look at um obviously you know the Gordon Hayward point is valid on on all levels. Um, I think he's been a little bit underappreciated since his Utah days, had the injury in Boston. Then, you know, Brad Stevens playing him above Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in that one season um, kind of fell out of favor. And then, but I mean, he had a good year in Charlotte and um, they certainly could have used him. I don't, I don't, I don't think he makes that much of a difference in this game, but um, just domination in every sense of the world in, in, in every sense of the word. And I just be, I'd be interested to see how the Spurs Grizzlies game goes. That's, that, that'll tip probably in about 10, 15 minutes. But uh, I'd be interested to see if we see a little bit of a similar thing. I don't think we. I don't think we will. Oh, yeah, with, I, uh, I don't with think Memphis, will. Memphis will. I think Memphis will be ready to play and they'll play hard. And I just it's hard. It's hard to imagine a, a Greg Popovich team just going out there and right. laying an egg like Charlotte did last night. But I do think as we move forward and if they keep going with this. I think it's possible that we could see more games in a nine and 10 like this. Um, so my question for you, if you was a commentator for this game, how do you stay focused on this game? Oh, oh yeah. Great point. I don't know. And you'll, but you'll see this from time to time when games like this happens. I love the best, the best NBA uh, 
uh, team in broadcasting is, you know, Mike Breen, JVG, and Mark Jackson. When games get out of hand like this, they'll just talk about anything. They'll, for, forget calling the game. And I looked at, but I, I'm glad you went back to the commentaries because I didn't want to leave at this point because I'm, I'm starting to like, I'm going to start calling out these announcers for this nonsense. And I got to tell you, I don't know where Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller were. I definitely would have liked to hear from them a little bit more. But the quality of this game matched the broadcast crew. The Spiro Ditas and Greg Anthony, I don't get the I don't get the the Greg Anthony. I don't find him interesting or I don't even look <laughs> at his career and find him interesting. Like he went to UNLV and then he played for the Knicks at one point. Did he do anything? What what did yeah. he win of significance? But anyway, <laughs> on in the first half, and I know you, you may have missed this, Pharaoh Ditas had the audacity to talk about a minutes restriction when it came to Malcolm Brogdon. A minutes, rest, a, a minutes restriction. I know he missed, a, missed, I don't know, a handful of games with a um, whatever injury he had. I don't even know. I don't even remember what it was. But he, he said the phrase minutes restriction. I'm like, this this is not the like I said, not the not an official playoff game, but for all intents and purposes, it is. I, no one wants to hear about menace restrictions. If you want to talk about always oh, coming off an injury and you know they got to manage that in a certain way, but I won't talk about menace restrictions. What are you saving somebody for? I just I couldn't believe it when I heard. It. I was like, God, that is so mediocre. And it's a perfectly demonstration of his broadcasting skills. This is the same dude, by the way. Totally off topic. Now we're off the rails. This is the guy who about year after year, he, he the same dude that'll call like every Texans Jaguars game on earth because that's that's not a game that, you know, you'll see the great Jim Nance or Tony Romo call. I mean, somebody got to call it. <laughs> Terrible. You, you don't you don't whip out the AT for them. So somebody got to call it. <laughs> nor the, the Hornets and Pacers. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll stay in the world of hoops here as we present our NBA awards segment. Drink, let's get right to it. Who you got for league MVP? Well, you know, I got to go. I'm going to keep it over here in the Western Conference, and I'm going to go with um, Nikolai Jokic, uh, the, 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 the fine center. You know what? And I just want to say this. You know, it's kind of crazy how the NBA come full circle because, you know, when we talk about the best fives in the NBA – it's two names that you hear about all the time. And and I, I'm going to present my one. I'm pretty sure others can pretty much guess who the other one is. If, you, if you've been paying attention in the last three or four years, these guys go back and forth with the first team NBA. I mean, you want to throw in Rudy Gobert. He be somewhere in the mix. But these two guys, when, we, when we're talking about from the offensive standpoint, these guys are unmatched. Because I don't care what you got to say about Rudy Gobert defense. He ain't touching these guys on the offense side of the ball. Not even close. Yeah. But um, for for this, for this, I went with um, uh, Jokic, the Joker. Look, here's the deal. Um, you know, we have to remember this. Jamal Murray went down. Uh, I, I, I forgot uh, specifically when he went down. But when he went down, somebody had to pick up the slack. The person that picked up the slack was no, no other than, than the Joker. He picked up his game. He, he his game got all around better, and you got to give a man some respect when he maintains or better his team's position in the Western Conference without his second best player or first best player, however you want to look at it. We know how important 
um, Murray is to that team. We seen what he did for this team last year. So we're not gonna act like Murray being hurt, you know, doesn't diminish the Denver Nuggets. But here's the thing: this is the NBA, and we ain't got time for the excuses, right? So you gotta, but you gotta blow your, you dust yourself off, blow off the dust, and get back in the game. And I think Jokic did that. Now, I'm in true transparency, right? I'm gonna say, in true transparency. He might not win this award. He might do it. I don't know. But I think this award comes down to two guys. My guy and your guy. And after that, it's a distant third. I don't care who you put in third, but I think it's a distant third. I think these two guys has been the guys that's been, you know, top-notch all year. I know we had LeBron in there earlier before his injury. I'm hearing the Chris Paul stuff. I'm hearing, you know, even we was, we was even on bringing up Randall. You know what I'm saying? I got all that, but these are the two guys. If if this was the Heisman Trophy, these are the two guys that's getting invited. The rest don't probably have to watch it from the house. That's just what it is. Um, but with that said, you know, 26.4 points per game, 56 point, you know, six field goal percentage, 38. Dang, man, it's the NBA has involved so much when you got centers that shooting almost 40% from the three-point line. Centers. That's outrageous. 10.8 rebounds per, uh, per game, and then 8.3 assists, 1.3 steals, and uh, 0.7 blocks. Listen, the dude stacking, he is definitely stuffing the stat sheet. There's no doubt about it. The Denver Nuggets wouldn't be where they're at without him. There's no doubt about it. So, for my money, you know, I, I, I put it on Jokic, but, you know, if the other guy win, I ain't going to cry about it. Who who you got for MVP? I think uh, I think these are clearly the two best uh, best choices. You could you, best way to pick it maybe a, maybe to flip a coin. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going. I'll go Joel Embiid because um, I actually put qualifiers on both of these guys at certain points. At one point, I said if Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers get the number one seed in the East. He'll be the MVP. I know he's missed quite a handful of games, but it's been an odd year where a lot of guys have missed a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron, AD, James Harden, and you know Harden and LeBron in particular are two guys that they're typically leading the pack when it comes to the MVP race. Um, and Jokic has had a great year. And I also said if if uh, the Nuggets after Jamal Murray's injury, if they keep creeping up the Western Conference standings, then he he'll have a great chance of it. And they did, they made it all the way up to the third seed. Remember at one point um, they were, you know, they struggled. They had a, some deep struggles early in the season. They weren't even in the, the field, the playoff field at, at certain points. Um, but just to, I think the, the eye test is kind of the biggest thing for me. When I watched Joel Embiid in the Philadelphia 76ers, um, Embiid looks like the best player on the best team. I know Utah and Phoenix wound up with more regular season wins, but I think Joel Embiid is the best player on the best team Sometimes that's the way these things shake out. Um, but if Jokic wins, I don't think anybody's going to be upset by that. Um, but of course, other guys had outstanding seasons like Chris Paul, Julius Randle, and of course, uh, we know the great run that Steph Curry's been on recently. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't think you go wrong with either of these guys. And I'd also it's been a long, long time since MVP has been between two big guys. On to uh, on the Rookie of the Year. What do you think of that one? So, um, for rookie of the year, you know, I got Anthony Edwards, man. Um, listen, 
I think this award was going to give be given to another player um, throughout majority of the season. That player got hurt, and I think and it was for what it's worth. I know. Listen, <laughs> listen. Do not equate this to the success of the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have haven't been good for a very long time. He's just another cog in his wheel. But with that said, I do think when he got a chance to show that he should be in that conversation, he put himself into that conversation. He's been a very bright star for these Timberwolves. Um, listen, we didn't see a lot of number one picks flame out before the season is over. <clears throat> Markel Fultz. We didn't see, you know, guys just not hacking Anthony Bennett. But, hey, Edwards came in. Did, I, listen, I can't be mad at him. Like, this guy came in. You got to understand, when he came in, he came from Georgia, first of all. University of Georgia basketball, not football. Yeah. So, it was like, first of all, people were like, wait, what? Since when we start drafting, we look at Georgia for uh, basketball players all of a sudden? Since that's when? Not a, that's not a blue blood college. Like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> hey, but he went number one overall, and I think he showed the goods. I think he, he got a bright future. For the Timberwolves, um, you know, 19.3 points per game. He averaged uh, 4.7 rebounds and, you know, 2.9 assists. Pretty much three three assists per game. That That's pretty good coming from your, you know, small forward slash power forward, you know, however you want to look at it. That's, that's pretty good. Um, I do think he has played well enough to sneak in. I, I think he played well enough on the back end of the season to, you know, come and kind of steal that, that rookie of the year from someone else. So, for my money, I got Anthony Edwards. What what say you? I'll go I'll go LaMelo Ball. Kind of the same reason as Embiid. I know both of these guys missed quite a few games, but I think the, the first half impact when Charlotte was, they were, you know, they were sitting in the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference for a while. We know once he got hurt, um, they, re- they really tailed off and he did end up coming back. I don't think many of us thought he'd come back and that wasn't enough to, you know, get him in the playoff field ultimately. But I think, you know, I just think, um, I think this is something that, you know, sometimes a lot of this is driven by some of these awards. Sometimes it's, it's media driven. And I think given how, you know, you know, the, the ball family has been kind of a underlying story for several years in the NBA now. And Lonzo for the most part has been somewhat of a disappointment. I think LaMelo, the way he played this season, it's kind of, you know, people that was, you know, if you're big into the, the ball family, LaMelo's kind of vindication with the way he played this year. And I think that'll lead to more votes and him winning the award. And in the end, I mean, I can't, I mean, Anthony Edwards, I think he had a real hot end to the year and he may, he may well have done enough to, uh, to win the award. But um, I think LaMelo ball, when you look at 16, six and six, I mean, that's, that, that's pretty impressive. I know he didn't play, uh, you know, he missed quite a chunk of time, but but this season for these awards, I don't think that's going to be held against guys as much as it has been in years past. Uh, what about uh, Defensive Player of the Year? Who are you going with for that award? Uh, you know, I'm going with Ben Simmons, baby. Listen, um, Ben Simmons been out here. He's been talking that hot stuff all year about he, that he should be the Defensive Player of the Year. And guess what? I agree with him. Listen. When it comes to defense player of the year, I understand, like, these players ain't got nothing to do with how tall they are or, you know, how short they might be or how long, 
their wingspans or how high they can jump. You know what I'm saying? Some of this stuff is just pure, natural athleticism, right? So I ain't mad at that. However, what I do get tired of hearing is just because you're tall and you average five blocks a game, you're, you're some type of defensive stalwart. No, you're just tall and you play around the rim a lot. That's you're it. Talking, like, you talking about Rudy Gobert? Oh, damn. Did I say Rudy Gobert? Yeah, I'm talking about Rudy Gobert. <laughs> I get tired of him since, since, since we're talking, since we're on the subject. This week, oh, take that. <laughs> Since we on the subject, um, Rudy Gobert is exactly who I'm talking about because you know this dude. People want to tell me how good he is on the defense side about because he blocks shots. How many steals do he average? How many deflections do he average? Don't give me block shots when he he looked like he could dunk the ball without jumping. What like what are we talking about here? I want guys like Ben Simmons and etc. I want a guy that's, uh, you know, built built like a forward, play like a guard, and can guard all five positions. He say, that dude good, let me get him. Now, the problem is he play on a team with another guy that also said he should be somewhat in the defense player of the year um, pitcher, Joel Embiid. So I guess he got to share the love. Either way, Ben Simmons say, yo, I want I want the best player over there. Give him, let me lock him up. Now, we just seen times where we, we've been questioning, like, Simmons, how are you going to be the defense player of the year, but you over here playing, you know, uh, some Rudy Poot, um, fresh out, who, who is talking about, Ishmael? Why are you guarding Ishmael? No, nah, we, we, we kind of need you to be guarding Bradley Bill. You know what I'm saying? It'd it be those times where you kind of question, like, what 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 is why is Ben Simmons guarding him? He need to be guarding him. So if you know if those arguments creep up a little bit, that's fine. But at the end of the day, Ben Simmons go out there, he gets it done on the defense side of the ball. He gets it done. And you know, I ain't even gonna lie. If my if if another guy on that team played more minutes, that's what would get my vote. That other guy is um Dabi no what's name Matisse Dabi. There we go. There we go. Matisse Dabi. I couldn't get the Matisse part out. If he was Played more minutes, that would be my defense player of the year. That dude is the truth. But I got to go with the guy that's, that's out here putting it on for the 76ers, doing his thing. My defensive player of the year, Ben Simmons. I was going Ben Simmons, but um, I had a last-minute change of heart probably because I just every, – everything I hear in all the lists I read, which some of them don't even say Ben Simmons. Some of them are just the old default Rudy Gobert answer. You know, Rudy – by the way, off topic, Rudy Gobert is going to – He's gonna like be the next Ben Wallace, where he like makes the Hall of Fame because he won five Defensive Player of the Year awards and all that. I just I just kind of can see that coming up because I hope not. Right. But, uh, I'm going I'm going Bam I'm going Bam out of bio. Um, some of the a lot of the stuff I'm looking at is anecdotal. I probably not taking into account the whole season because I haven't. You know, it's hard to see these guys just over and over all the time like some of the the you know the high profile pundits do, but. Uh, that point you made about Ben Simmons and some, there's been several occasions, most recently last week when they played Miami. And I'm just looking at, at Ben Simmons running around chasing, chasing Duncan Robinson off screens. Like that's, I know Duncan Robinson isn't important, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. I don't know. Maybe those dudes could be bigger threats. There's another example. I know that 
you know, it's not Ish Smith instead of Bradley Beal. But there's there's been other occasions where Ben Simmons is, uh, I, don't, I don't know, trying to pose as a point guard and guard a point guard, but it just doesn't make any sense at all. Like, go guard someone else that, like, I don't know, ha- is being more impactful on the game. Not that he, not that he does not deserve the award because I think his def- his defensive ability is off the charts. He definitely ain't winning Offensive Player of the Year if they had that because yeah. there's much to speak of in the um, outside the painted area. But no um, lies I, told. Know, I'm looking at Bam and some of the some of the cases you made apply for Ben Simmons, but also Bam's got great defensive versatility. I think he can guard one through five. Nobody's ever gonna be mad when uh, Bam Adebayo switches out on a guard because you know he's gonna get he's gonna uh, keep the guy at bay. Um, and I think I think he not only that he's one of the best all around players in the game. Uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna you're gonna start making him be a yearly participant on these all NBA team on these all NBA teams year after year. I think he's that good. Um, and I think defensively just his versatility and his impact and I've talked about how he's the anchor of that Miami Heat team. So I would I would go bam. Maybe the evidence in all actuality doesn't support that. But uh, either one of those guys, I'd take either one of those guys after just if listen, if LeBron can't win 10 MVPs and Rudy o- Gobert can't win a defensive player of the award every year. So right. I'll, I'll leave it in there right there. Uh, how about six man? What you got for that? Six man, I, I think this is pretty clear cut. I couldn't I couldn't even come up with another guy. Hey man, I think Jordan Clarkson, listen. This this one probably be signed, sealed, and delivered, folks. I, I don't think it's a six man that's uh, a close second. You how could you like? Some people like wonder like, is he really a six man? Yeah, he comes off the bench, but like his minutes gotta be starter minutes because this dude is instant offense. Been the best thing since sliced bread ever since Donovan Mitchell got hurt. He didn't help, you know, the Utah maintain being one of the better three-point shooters um, teams in in the game. Um, do I think he's going to be enough in the playoff? No, but thank God this is a regular season award. Um, so, with that said, I don't think it's much to be said about. I mean, the dude been playing phenomenal. I mean, he's he's at a you know a star a star level. I think coming off that bench, been playing. All around where and listen, I think it's undersold how how important it was for him to play the way he played when he played it. Cause without him helping play that way, I don't know if Utah's still the number one seed. I think Phoenix might come up and snipe him at this point. Because I it's a lot of guys on that team shooting, but it wasn't a lot of guys that was like, create your own shot. Give it, give me forty one night. Give me thirty eight one night. Give me twenty. Like that was Clarkson. Yeah, I mean, if you want to say, you know, Bondanovich was shooting better. Okay, cool. You want to say Ingles? Well, all right, cool. But none of those guys was getting it done like Clarkson. Give me the ball, open it up, let me go get some. And he was an instant bucket. And I think he'll be the sixth man of the year. And I think it's well deserved. Yeah, I think I think this one's pretty easy i agree with you jordan clarkson um you know there's been been a few guys that have kind of like year in year out you look at them and like lou williams among them um but lou williams didn't have didn't have quite the season so you gotta look elsewhere and just sometimes these are pretty easy a guy just stands you know clear and above the rest and sometimes guys who you maybe you look at him as a six man um, sometimes, you know, injuries will force them into the starting lineup and it kind of disqualify them. Um, but Clarkson's been, you know, coming off the bench all year. 
And um, just the way he impacts games, you know, bringing that spark to the second unit. Um, oh, Donald Mitchell, Gobert, and uh, Bogdanovich, Conley, they out the game. Well, don't worry about it because Clarkson's coming it in and he's filling it up for you. 18 points, 43%, 35 from deep. Um, you know, has a little bit of can, – can pass the ball at times for you. Um, his, his impact – I mean, it, it can't be understated. And, yeah, I agree. He's a big, big, big reason why uh, Utah got the number one seed. And it's good to see, you know, after moving around a little bit with the Lakers and then that had a forgettable finals with the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's good to see that he's found a home um, in Utah. Yeah, I think he's the clear-cut uh, sixth man. What about most improved? Most improved, man. You got to go – you got to look up in that – what they call it, the Empire State. The New York Knicks, Mr. Julius Randle. Listen, this dude might be the savior of the state of New York because I ain't talked about the state of New York this positive since. I, since when? I don't know since when. <laughs> but this guy has single-handedly, to me, had, you know, yes, I know Brooklyn is in New York, folks. I know Brooklyn. It was a joke. You know, it was just a joke. <laughs> um, but with that said, listen, Julius Randle, like you just said about Clarkson, you know, Julius Randle bounced around, man. He he was with the Lakers. Then remember he had a stint with the, I think the Pelicans. Right? Yeah, Pelicans? with the Pelicans. Yeah, he had a stint with the Pelicans. Now he then landed with the Knicks. And oh my God. This is why they got the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Give everybody a chance. Won't they won't. This man went to the Knicks and lost his mother-loving mind. He is out here. I'm like, Julius Randle? That's the same guy that played in Kentucky? They got drafted by the Lakers? Hmm. Look like a Doppler gamer to me. Like, <laughs> they, hey, go, somebody go take some blood and make sure that's him. Because this man is off the chain this year. He's, he's clear-cut the number one option for the, the, the Knicks, first and foremost. Clear-cut. I mean, Derrick Rose come off the bench and he does his thing. But Julius Randle is the man in New York. You, I mean, we didn't talk about this on the show. This they gotta find a way to build around him at this point. Like, you gotta get some other players to, to help him out. But this guy's playing, been playing insane. And listen, for what it's worth, I think the gap between him and the number two, you know, candidate for most improved is just like the six man award. I'm not even considering giving this award to anyone outside of Julius Randle. Do we gotta understand how? dead this Nick franchise was before this year. No one talked about them. No one cared to talk about them, even though they're very valuable as a franchise. But no one cared because the biggest story for the Knicks last year was the fact that um, Spike Lee couldn't use his own private elevator or whatever he was talking about. <laughs> that was like the biggest story for the Knicks last year. And when they uh, who the, and the uh, press GM, conference. Yeah, the two was it uh, Scott, uh, not Scott Perry, he's still there. Um, I can't remember. These two name. clowns, they came out there with the freaking frack up there. Freaking frat, right? That, that, <laughs> your two biggest stories didn't have nothing to do with basketball. Yeah. And now, oh now you're we're actually back on the bandwagon talking basketball and talking about basketball at a high level. Cause let's let's remember, the Knicks are one of them teams this year where we like, they don't got enough to like, you know, win the conference or anything, but they do got enough to put a scare in your favorite teams, you know. You, you know, chances. So 
you know, we're we're. I know I'm excited about seeing the Knicks in the playoffs this year. I, I'm pretty sure others, because we want to see what they're gonna do. We know they play defense. Let's see see what they're gonna do. So with all that said, man, this was pretty easy for me. I went with Julius Randle of the Knicks. It was uh, Scott Perry and Steve Mills, by the way. Those were okay. those were the two uh, two circus clowns in there at the yeah. press conference that got. Who was, I don't even who was I don't even remember who the coach was. Oh, was it, it was a no, it was Fizdale. David Fizdale, right? yeah, David Fizdale. But uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on this one uh, as well. Julius Randle, um, some of the numbers actually comparable, you know, to his first season in New York. Field goal percentage and rebounding, not that big a difference there, but the three point shooting and the assist, um, two glaring. I'm not going to, well, the assists, maybe nobody really cared about all that much. Those are probably a little bit of a bonus, especially his position. But I mean, this guy, like for years, you know, from his, and nobody cared about Kentucky, but you get to the NBA and now, you know, it's, it, you need guys to create space more and more. Space is more valuable. And uh, man, you go from 28% shooting threes to 40, uh, 41%. And we've seen it firsthand. We've done a lot of Knicks games this mm -hmm. year, and the improvement is undeniable. Um, and now you're also looking at him as a, a big time playmaking threat going from three assists to six assists. Um, you know, guys talk about his leadership, his impact um, in the locker room. Those weren't things we heard about earlier in his career. Um, I think Tom Thibodeau is probably the, probably the right coach for him. He's getting the best out of him. And, uh, you know, another thing as the, the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference playoff, no one saw that. And think, think about think about this too. He's out there starting typically with R.J. Barrett. Put him aside real quick. But think about this: Nerlens Noel, Reggie Bullock, and Alfred Payton. The, those guys, no disrespect, they ain't starting for a lot of teams. All three of those guys are castaways. Like yeah. I, all three of those guys, whatever whoever they played for last outside of the Knicks, that team said, "I don't care for this dude." Those are the those are the guys the Knicks go get in free agency because nobody wants to come there. Now I think right. that's that is that's I think that's ch going to change now that they're having a little bit of success. But that's what's happening. But good for, good for the Knicks that they got Julius Randle because he he's changed a lot of things. This is the most excited Knicks fans have been since Carmelo, and I think there there's more reason to be excited right now. Uh, last one, Coach of the Year. Coach of the year, you know I gotta take this back out west. You heard me. And listen, it's it's Monty Williams or the Phoenix Sun. Look, this is all I gotta say about this. The Phoenix Sun was the second to last worst team in the Western Conference last year. This year, they're one of two fifty-win teams in the NBA this year. All I'm saying is this. I didn't you notice I didn't say in the West. I said in the NBA. It was only two teams that won 50 games this year. They were one of them. They was terrible last year. And they had majority of all these players outside of Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. So, you know, and I mean, Monty Williams was the coach last year, right? Yes, I believe so. So, so as I look at that, something tells me Monty Williams went to the drawing board. I think Monty Williams had something to do with them getting Chris Paul, by the way. I, I'm going to give him credit for that. I think he he knew what he needed as a leader, and he wasn't he didn't let his ego, like, say, oh, I don't want him.
because he might come in trying to change everything. He said, nah, man, I'm trying to win. I'm sick of this bottom of the conference crap. I need some winners in here. Went out and got him a couple of winners, put him with his young studs, and now, I mean, we on the drink of wisdom, like, uh, hold on, that's slowed down those expectations. But for the most part, it's a lot of people, you know, got ex high expectation for them. I mean, conference finals and all that. We that's where the buck stopped for us. We ain't got them in no conference finals. But you never know, right? So they 51 and 21 on the season. Like I said last year, they was 34 and 39. That is a remarkable turnaround. Um, listen, I think this award, I want to say I've seen three names that I think is like reasonably should win this award. You, you, I know your your pick is one of the guys that I think should could win this award as well. But for me, it's Monty Williams. Um, the Suns, you know, fantastic regular season. But now we're about to get into the good stuff. Let's see what you got. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna stay with I'm gonna stay with the Knicks where Julius Randle plays. I'm gonna go Tom Thibodeau. Um, similarly, Tyler, I said you know Julius Randle, he's out there leaning next to the four C with like guys. So I'm like, what? Elford, why is Elford Payton playing in a starting lineup? Like, what is this? Reggie Bullock, I, I don't, I don't quite understand it. Nerlens Noel, he been like cast away since Philadelphia dropped him off uh, at a homeless shelter, and he just keep getting recycled <laughs> all over the place. So. I mean, I think the same the same argument can be made for Tom Thibodeau. I mean, the fourth seed in the East. I mean, that's I mean, just never saw it coming. And they just as the season progressed, like they were like they looked pretty surprising early on, and they just kept playing better and better as the season as the season wore on. And I I think Coach of the Year it comes down to guys who you look at their team and you like to see big jumps from year to year, but also looking at looking at how that team's constructed and like. Who does more with less? And I think Tom Thibodeau does this year has done more with less than anybody else. I do think, and I said this like a couple a couple shows ago. I said because we were talking about oh some people are throwing Chris Paul in there in the MVP conversation, and that's fine. But I think a better you know a better type of summation of their season is Monty Williams brought these guys along. Chris Paul did as well, but. Monty Williams has seen this thing through um, that they were, you know, they were really, really bad uh, before the play in uh, before the bubble tournament, they got hot. Then they won all eight games in the bubble and they carried that over to this year. Uh, Monty Williams deserves a lot of votes. And he, if I had to, if I had to bet on, I'd probably say he he'll win the award, but uh, I'd, I'd go Tom Thibodeau with what he's done um, for the Knicks and the city of New York. Well, but I throw in just a couple of names who are deserving of votes. I think both number one seeds in the playoffs, uh, Quinn Snyder and Doc Rivers, I think both of those guys are deserving. Uh, Quinn Snyder, just the way this team has grown and how they, you know, went from a team that primarily is known for defense. They get it done offensively too, and that's a big deal. And Doc Rivers, it's it's not a so much a talent thing. They got most a lot of the same players, um, but they've went from a team who just under Brett Brown last year just fell short of any reasonable expectation. And um, this season, Doc Rivers has, he's gotten this team right. He's got Joel Embiid playing like an MVP candidate, which is what we were waiting to see. And um, because of that, I think they'll, they'll get some votes. And also an honorable mention vote should be given to uh, Nate McMillan down there in Atlanta with what he did after the- uh, I ain't mad at that. I ain't yeah, mad what at he that did at after all. the uh, firing of 
I can't, I can't, I'm skip, I'm spazzing on names today, but what uh, was his name? He got fired matter. so fast, I forgot. <laughs> it don't matter, but uh, I, I'd go Tibbs for coach of the year. All right, our last NBA subject takes into account the NBA have-nots and the 10 teams that failed to make the play-in tournament or the playoffs. That list would include the Bulls, Raptors, Cavs, Magic, and Pistons in the East, and the Pelicans, Kings, Timberwolves, Thunder, and Rockets in the West. I drink plenty of things to happen as of now, you know, like draft, free agency, and all of that. But uh, as of right now, which of these 10 teams do you see making the biggest improvement next year? All right, so um... – out of the 10 teams, I got one in the East and two in the West. My one in the East is Toronto Raptors. I think Toronto Raptors get their S together next year. Um, I, you know, I think the fact that they got locked out of their own country, which is wild, um, and, you know, Fran, you know, Van Bleek up and down, Pascal probably wasn't the most consistent, and then the whole drama with uh, Lowry, you trade away Norman. I think a lot happened, you know, and – you know, later on, we're going to talk about another piece that could change. If all that get fixed, and that's a big if, I guess, I think the Toronto Raptors are poised for a bounce back next year. I don't see them, like, going two years in a row looking like straight flop city. And then for the West, um, listen, take this with a grain of salt, but I'm going to say the New Orleans Pelicans. At some point, yeah. they got to show up and be what we think they should be. I'm thinking that's next year, Zion, Ingram, Stan Van Gundy, um, Hart, I don't know, a ball coming back, Bledsoe, whatever. Like, something got to give with the Pelicans. I'm I'm thinking next year is the year we get to see a jump and they can be more of a productive team. And then the third team I had was the Minnesota Timberwolves. Listen, I just told you Anthony Edwards was my rookie of the year. You know what Carl Anthony Towns is going to bring you. They still got D'Angelo Russell down there, even though he on the back of a milk carton or something. I don't know. But with all that said, get them the right, I think, mix that coach. Maybe they can go for, you know, a vet, somebody that can be a glue guy, um, kind of like Gordon Hayward was for the Hornets. Give them that. I think those three teams could be bounced back and be surprise teams next year. Yeah, it's probably a kind of a bland answer, but uh, I think the both of both teams have finished eleventh this year. If you had to, you'd probably start there uh, with the Bulls and the Pelicans. The Bulls, they were pretty aggressive. Uh, I thought at the trading deadline, they got Nikola Vucevic, also brought in Daniel Tice. Uh, Zach Levine had a really really good year. Uh, Kobe White's another young guy to, to to look out for as we continue to move forward. Um, and they also got you know Billy Donovan. So. He's a guy I don't I don't think we should count out. I think he should still be in Oklahoma City in Oklahoma City uh, coaching. Uh, but yeah, I'd look for the Bulls um, to you know maybe maybe a, a full season with all those guys uh, in the locker room in the film room and out there playing together. Uh, maybe that'll be enough to get them at least in the play in. Um, otherwise, that's a, just that's a that's a lot of work to do on a trade deadline to get nothing for it. And um, you know New Orleans. I mean, we'll just, I guess, this just going to be a, a revolving door um, of like, uh, they didn't do it this year, maybe next year, all the talent that they accumulated. Right. Uh, it's Zion and Ingram, uh, but the whole, <clears throat> David Griffin got to get it together down there. Um, and what he needs, what he needs is, uh, he needs to pull an Elton Brand. As in this year was kind of forgettable, he need to fix it next year. Because similar to the whole Al Horford thing in Philly last year, this Eric Bledsoe thing was a disaster. 
because Eric Bliss on Lonzo Ball ain't getting it done. You got to pick one of them. I would I would pick Lonzo Ball, restricted free agent. You bring him on back. But Blesso got to get out of here. You got to get a bona fide shooter out there with Lonzo Ball. Get more spacing. They, you know, they rebound. They're really good rebounding team. Pretty, pretty effective offensively, even though I don't think they got enough shooting. They can do something like Philadelphia did. I think they'll be back. And if I had to pick one more, I'd look at, um, I'd look at the Raptors simply because they got Masai Ujiri. Um, we don't necessarily know his future as of right now, but if he sticks around, I got to believe that he's a guy that can get this turned around sort of quickly. They still got a lot to like um, from that team. And remember, just last year, we know they lost Kawhi, but uh, still got Lowry. I still, he got some juice left in the tank. Uh, Pascal Siakam kind of had a little, you know, a little bit rougher year. I believe he going to bounce back. You still got OG Ananobi, so and and Fred Van Fleet. So there's, there's still quite a lot there. And I think um, I think next season there, there'll be another team that bounces back. You could see them back in the playoffs. Well, last but not least, you know what time it is. It's rapid reaction. A whole lot of topics, a little bit of time. Jay, the floor is yours. All right. After Sunday's win over the New Orleans Pelicans that locked in in the seventh seed in the West, Los Angeles Lakers superstar LeBron James made the case that Golden State Warriors point guard Steph Curry should be league MVP. You don't agree with him, do you? I agree for I agree with him for this one game and this one game only. Listen, LeBron know what he's doing. He, he's been doing this for a long time. Listen, if telling Steph he should be the league MVP is going to, like, open him up, make him vulnerable, then LeBron, I'm with you. But we all know damn well Steph ain't nowhere near that MVP trophy this year. We know that much. So, but, I, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get these dubs. So, I ain't, I ain't mad at the chess game by LeBron. On Monday, the Eagles announced the signing of former Washington pass rusher Ryan Kerrigan. What do you think of the move? Uh, I don't want to say it's a bad move. It's one of those, it's kind of, it did make me raise my eyebrows a little bit because I still, defensive line, I think it's kind of, probably still one of the stronger position groups on a team with Fletcher Cox, Brandon Ingram, and, you know, a couple, several other guys they have. And um, it just seems like the opposite of what they need to do. You know, I think that that's a team that they, they need to do a lot to get younger. And I don't think this helps them in that. Um, so not, not, I'm not going to say it's a bad move, but it did, it did make me uh, scratch my head. Sources tell ESPN that the Sacramento Kings will retain head coach Luke Walton for a third season after he went 31 and 41 in his first two years. Is that a good idea to be patient or should he have gotten fired? Well, according to the math we've been doing on, you know, on a drink of wisdom here, you know, you get uh, usually th what is like a three season average. So why not? I mean, the Kings just going to suck again next year. And then, then you got a valid reason. We gave you three seasons and you did nothing. So, you know, why not? Just go and bring them back. Let them flop around again. I just feel like this for Luke Walton. I feel like when will that Golden State hype wear off? It's about time that it's gone at this point. Because there's no other reason why he's still a head coach. I just don't – you can't give me no other reason why he's still a head coach outside of – you remember what he did with Golden State that one time? That's it. That's all you got. Because you can't tell me what he did with the Lakers, and your darn show can't tell me what he's been doing with the Kings since he's been there. Just, just throwing that out there. Los Angeles Angels center fielder Mike Trout is likely out for six to eight weeks after straining his calf Monday night. Big loss, right? Oh, no question. Still best player in baseball. Having one of his better starts to his career. Um, and curiously, Trout's been great. Shohei Otani's been great. 
Um, but still, the Angels having a tough time this season in their first year under Joe Madden, and uh, this injury certainly won't help matters. Arkansas is essentially restarting the contract of football coach Sam Pittman after his first season was impacted by the pandemic. Seems like a pretty nice thing to do. What do you think of it, Drink? I just, listen, it's unique. It's very unique for a college to say, hey, man, that pandemic came. We felt like we shortchanged it because the pandemic wasn't your fault. Let's just restart your contract. I would say this. I think he deserves it, kind of, because Arkansas, for everything that happened this season, Arkansas wasn't the worst team in the SEC, wasn't the worst team in the SEC West. They actually had some pretty good things going on. I think that's overlooked when you see how Alabama dominated the conference. But all in all, I think Arkansas, you know, they, you know, they progressed this year. I, I think they really did. Um, so I'm not mad at it. And maybe some other teams that can see this and might think about doing the same thing to, you know, build up some some goodwill with your team going into the season. So I think it's a fantastic idea. The New Orleans Pelicans point guard Lonzo Ball is set to be a restricted free agent and said he would love to return to the Pelicans. Do you bring him back if you're the general manager, David Griffin? Well, I'd certainly bring him back before I bring back Eric Bledsoe, as I said in the last topic. But uh, I think it's, you know, he's a restricted free agent, so other teams, they'll make offers. New Orleans will have a chance to, to match and retain him. But as long as, as long as the team isn't coming out there and making some ridiculous max contract offer, you know, I think there, there's got to be a, a price point to where David Griffin has to say, eh, that's a little bit too much. I don't think you're worth, worth all that, you know. But I think uh, if the price is right, I can definitely see, see him coming back. Uh, the doctor that performed the knee surgery on Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow says the top pick in last year's draft. He's going to be ready to play for the season opener in September. That is great news, isn't it? Yeah, if you would have drafted Panay Sewell instead of uh, Ch- Jamal Chase. Like, you know, I would have been ecstatic if I was a Bengals fan. Now I'm wondering how far, how much of the season he's going to play. He might just get smacked around the end right back on that same table. Keep the table open, Doc. But – in all seriousness, no, it's definitely good news. Um, I think a healthy Joe um, Burrow plan after what we seen last year is exciting. He seems like he got the goods. He the real deal. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely be glad to see him come back, but I just wasn't happy about them not drafting the offense. Like, why would you not want to protect a guy that seems like he can take your team to the next level if he has the protection? No, this is me. Atlanta's brave right-handed starting pitcher – your, your Oscar Giannis suffered a broke right hand when he punched the dugout bench in frustration and would miss the next couple of months. <laughs> Jay, I got to know your thoughts on this one. Yeah, uh, we might have to start a, a dummy of the day segment or a dummy <laughs> of the week segment. This dude's taking, if we started today, this dude's got it. I, I can't, I just can't imagine the reaction of like the coach and, um, you know, the, the, the front office, like, People, people up there got to be like, yo, you ain't getting paid for all the time you miss for what you did to yourself. This ain't a result of, uh, you know, you had, you're going to need some Tommy John or you got an elbow, you, you know, whatever, your throwing arm. You did this to yourself and we, we withholding all your money until you come back. That That's what I think that should happen and we might have to explore this dummy of the week I did it. I just came up with it. Uh, Toronto Raptors GM Masai Ujiri says his decision on whether to stay in Toronto will hinge on his upcoming conversations with ownership. Uh, do you think he stays with the Raptors or is he going to be running another NBA team next year? 
It's tricky because, like I told, I mentioned to you before the show, weird stuff happened with Ajiri. Like, you know, last year we seen, you know, he he gets into it with the security at the Toronto Raptors Stadium. I, I didn't understand that. For some reason, he kind of get, you know, I, I just wonder, is like Ajiri like some a bad guy when the camera's not around, or is it just, you know, one of them things that his time is done? If it is, listen, I, I think if he goes on a free market, he will be on the next team quick. It like overnight, teams are calling, yo, come, come. Because no matter what you say, that guy had built a winning team now, and he did it relatively fast, you know, compared to how long he had been there. He brought star players to Toronto. Toronto, folks. Not Los Angeles, not New York. Not Miami, Toronto. You got to put some respect on his name for that. So, if I'm Toronto, I keep him. But, hey, keep playing around. Somebody going to sign him. And then, hey, then you can figure it out. You can go get the dude that used to run the Knicks. Last one, Pacers and Wizards. Tomorrow night for the eighth seed in the East. Who you got and why? Well, this is dangerous, but I'm sticking with the Wizards because that's who I had before, and uh, I think you did too. Uh, Going to be tough with how the, the Pacers look against the Hornets, but uh, I think Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, they bounce back. I don't think they want to <laughs> go out in this fashion. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking the Wizards. Uh, they'll be your eighth seed against Philly. Good luck with that, by the way. And that concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe, and thank you for joining us this evening. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we going to do. You know what it is. It's the Western Conference play-in. The night Lakers versus Golden State. We going to holler at you until next time, baby.